can subscribe to Truth Jihad Radio by going to truthjihad.com and clicking on the subscribe at Substack button. The key thing is don't be inhaling, don't be ingesting. Stay inside, don't drink or eat anything. These are important questions. I understand that. Highest moment the last eight years. Hmm. Highest moment the last eight years. Well, I think the, the most important, the most compelling was, uh, was 9-11 itself. Welcome to the special live edition of Truth Jihad Radio. Kevin Barrett here broadcasting live on Revolution.Radio, the finest in free speech networks. Please do go to Revolution.Radio and find a way to support true free speech on the Internet airwaves. I'm Kevin Barrett of TruthJihad.com, where you can subscribe to my Substack and get early access to these shows. Tonight, we're talking about bad science, politicized science. After 9-11, well, it got so bad that Lynn Margulis, the National Medal of Science winner, said that science is dead. In a world where people actually believe that the three World Trade Center towers just committed suicide based on minor office fires kindled by uh, negligible kerosene that had absolutely nothing to do with the situation other than kindling the office fires. And then they just disappeared at free fall acceleration through the path of most resistance. People actually believe that that's possible and think that that happened. Science is dead. Not every scientist, though, is brain dead. And tonight I'm bringing on a couple of scientists who are totally not brain dead, as well as a politician who isn't brain dead either. In the second hour, Josh Middeldorf, one of the liveliest minds in science that I've heard of anyway, comes back on the show to talk about some really wild and crazy issues involving, well, uh, proof that we're not living in a simulation, even though the New York Times quoted a bunch of scientists saying the odds are about 99.9 something percent that we are living in a simulation. Josh can prove that they're wrong. He can also uh, show us that the universe is fine-tuned for life. This is one of the strongest arguments for the existence of God. And uh, he'll question some quantum relationships between the mind and the brain and all sorts of other fun stuff. That's the second hour with Josh Middeldorf. All right, and now we're getting going with first the scientist, then the politician. Politician's coming on in 30 minutes. That's Dr. David King. He's running for lieutenant governor here in Wisconsin, and he is a supporter of the health freedom movement. But first, speaking of the health freedom movement, let's get William Willers back on. He's a retired University of Wisconsin biology professor who was a supporter of my struggle for academic freedom and 9-11 truth back in 2006 when I was getting lynched by the mainstream media and not supported by too many colleagues. Well, uh, William Willers was one of the colleagues who did support me. He's an honest man, and he's honest enough to notice there's a problem with the official orthodoxy on face masking. He just wrote a piece called Who is Ryan Westergaard about this public health official, the chief medical officer and state epidemiologist here in Wisconsin. Hello. And uh, and let, let, let him tell you about it. So, hey, welcome, William Willers. Hey, Bill, how are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm fine and ready. Okay. Well, good to have you back on the show. It's been a while. How long has it been since you were on this show anyway? Oh, I, I, I lose track of time. and It was, well, within the last year, I think. Really? We had you last? Okay. It's, it, maybe it, it went fast. Anyway, it's good to have you back. And the the big issue in these past couple of years, of course, has been uh, COVID hysteria. 
And there's so many aspects of the, the lies that the mainstream is telling us about COVID and from it being a, likely a biological weapon uh, to, to the, the fact that so many of these things they've told us to do don't work. And one of those things is face masking. Yet here in Wisconsin, the chief medical officer is insisting that masking works. And a lot of these folks are sad that the masks are starting to come off. And apparently you're not. Okay, so you're a biologist. What's wrong with Westergaard's claim that face masking protects us from COVID? Well, Kevin, I don't think, I can't think of anybody who has spent more time looking at uh, mask studies pre-pandemic era. And everyone, and I mean going back decades, has shown that public masking does not stop the spread of viruses. And it's just as simple as that. Um, As a matter of fact, in the month, March 2020, when the pandemic was declared, um, Fauci said there's no reason for anybody to be walking around with a mask. And by May, He was questioned publicly and because people were were wondering about why the mask was important. And what he said was the mask is something for people to see. And that's it. And um, so what happened was that in in uh, July, on July the 3rd, the state uh, epidemiologist for Wisconsin, Ryan Westergaard, was on television on a state uh, news piece, and you probably know of it here and now with Frederica Freiberg. And Mm -hmm. he stated, and I've got it written here, this is what he said on the 3rd of July, 2020, the science is in. Uh, Because of studies with many people in many countries, we have hard evidence that risk of transmission goes down dramatically when people wear masks. That's an end quote. And so knowing that this was not true, I emailed him at his uh, University of Wisconsin Medical School address from my university address at UW Oshkosh. And I asked for references. And I did it in a very courteous way. I asked him for references and and, uh, for all of these studies that were supposed to have happened. And uh, I never got an answer, of course. Um, the man lied. He simply lied. And it was not a minor lie, Kevin, because within a few weeks, as you know, um, I think it was the next month, the governor of, governor of Wisconsin put the whole state under a mask mandate. And um, so I have, I think uh, when I emailed you earlier, I attached in text at the end of the email uh, this short article. Uh, that I had done on him. And I'm telling you, it is so frustrating to to have this information and know that a principal figure, the state medical officer, is, has, has lied and continues to lie and, and not have an outlet. Nobody wants to touch this. And um, so... And so where, where have you submitted the article? Chance to sound off here. Mm-hmm. Where where have you submitted the article? Um, I have shown it to a number of people, and they say don't bother. Yeah, because I, I, I'm because pretty sure. Fact, that what's really interesting is I have sent it to a number of people. Let's say I live in Door County, and um, 
I, I have shown it to a number of people on school boards because the mask mandate for school children has been a big, a big issue. And I, I sent it to a number of people and I got a couple of people say, thank you for your, thank you for your comment. And that's all. So I, um, I, I don't know exactly how best to proceed in this. Um, I guess in, in some way I, I have uh, given up and gone on to other issues. Right. Did you? But, because uh, I, it's, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the mainstream outlets uh, like, you know, the Capital Times, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and so on wouldn't publish your article. But I, I wonder no. if, if there's a conservative outlet, you know, sort of a local version of Fox News that might. But I can't really think of who that would be. Um, if you know of any, you send me some suggestions and I'll follow up on it. You know, it's interesting that um, he he was interviewed by Frederica Freiberg, who's who's I guess a pretty prominent person in Madison, the state capital. And I I sent an email to uh, the Here and Now address, which is basically hers, and I said there was a problem with statements that he had made, and I told her exactly what they were, and would she please, as the journalist who interviewed him. Would she follow up and uh, and clear up any inconsistencies? I tried to be as delicate as possible. Any inconsistencies that might have occurred. I never heard from her, but I think it's quite relevant that she has on multiple occasions thereafter used Westergaard as um, a source of expert information on that program. Wow. Yeah. If you look at that statement that he made, it's so uh, it's so extreme. You know, it's not like he's saying, well, there's some evidence that masks might, you know, help lower transmission a little bit, although it's kind of ambiguous. But let's let's wear the masks because it it's probably, you know, might be better than nothing, you know, which would be a lot closer to <laughs> to reality. But no, he's saying lots of studies, large numbers of patients, large numbers of countries, risk of transmission goes down dramatically. That's just BS. There's no even the studies that purport to show some beneficial effect of masking don't show anything going down dramatically. Uh, you have to really, you know, fudge. They're, they're basically BS studies anyway. And even the, even then, they're still finding, you know, very tiny little benefits that turn out to actually be just statistical anomalies. But nobody's found any huge, you know, evidence that risk goes down dramatically. I mean, how, how could he say something like that? Well, he made a mistake, and um, I, I would assume at this point he was really sorry that he said that and wasn't a little more delicate in the way he did because it, he pronounced it as holy writ. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, um, I think that Westergaard is typical of a raft of medical figures that are being shown as, as experts all over mainstream uh, media outlets, Leona Wen, uh, uh, Peter Hotev, people like this, and you look at their references, all of them, almost without exception, have after MD in their bios, um, Masters of Public Health, MPH. And this MPH, this, this public health discipline, has emerged um, – big time within the last couple of decades. I think it, it wasn't too many years ago 
and and 2006 sticks in my mind and wouldn't be too far off. The School of Medicine uh, at UW had its name change to the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health. And I've been looking at these school of, these schools of public health, all of them, all of them are cam- uh, campaigning strongly for this pharmaceutical vaccine-oriented um, um, uh, path on dealing with COVID and a, and a shutting down of any of the alternative uh, uh, medicines that could have been beneficial early on. Um, Robert Redfield is was up until Rochelle Walensky is the uh, director of the CDC now. And Robert Redfield was up until, I don't know, maybe a year ago. And I saw him in September of, of uh, 2020 in a Senate um, hearing. And he's speaking to Jack Reed, the senator from uh, Rhode Island. And he holds, and I, I can I can give you rep, uh, links to all of this. It's on, this is on C-SPAN. He's talking with the senator, and he holds up the mask. This is the head of the CDC at the time. And he says, Senator, he said, this mask will protect you. He said, he said I will go so far as to say that it will protect you better than any vaccine. The vaccine, he said, might be only 70% effective. This mask will protect you. But what Walensky said that I find it amazing that people will simply, for the record, in front in situations like that, lie with ease. It it, it simply amazes me. Yeah, it's you know it kind of reminds me of the Ukraine propaganda, you know, and and of course the nine eleven propaganda. In in all of these cases, uh, really just outrageous, self evident falsehoods are put forward brazenly and confidently. And the purpose, of course, is to influence human behavior. I mean, these are people whose idea of communication is not to get across the truth. It's to say something to manipulate the behavior of the person you're talking to. So if you want somebody to wear the mask, you tell them anything even close to the truth, they'll probably say, ah, I think the cost-benefit analysis isn't so great here. But no, if you, if you, if you make up a ridiculous lie, like, oh, this will completely save you, it's, it'll 100% block every viron, blah, blah, or, you know, so this kind of complete idiocy, uh, it works. Just like with, with Ukraine, you know, if, if an honest appraisal of what's going on in Ukraine would not sound very good for Ukrainians. You know, they're, they're, you know, a bunch of fanatical nationalists, uh, you know, calling them Nazis is an insult to, to Hitler. Oh, and, yeah. you know, <laughs> and, and, and they're, they're, and they're not winning, they're losing and on and on and on. Uh, you know, but if you come even hail, within hailing distance of the truth of any of that, then everybody kind of gets discouraged and nobody supports the war in Ukraine and nobody wants the U.S. government to give tens of billions of dollars. So instead, you just lie outrageously. You make up all sorts of non-existent Russian atrocities or better yet, you find the atrocities that the Ukrainians have committed designed to be blamed on the Russians and you hype that and you claim that, that the Ukrainian grannies are taking out Russian tanks with their knitting needles. You just make up these insane total lies. And people aren't paying much attention, so they actually kind of go, yeah, 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 go Ukraine. They start waving little Ukrainian flags around. So, so that's the model of communication we've got from these people. They're pure propagandists. They don't care about the truth. They don't care about you understanding anything. All they care about is manipulating your behavior. All right. That's so sad.
Yeah, and that's not how that's not how science is it works. I mean, science is about getting to the truth. And so when you have these people who are supposed to be representing science putting out this propaganda, it's like Lynn Margulis said, you know, science is dead. It's been dead since 9/11. Oh man. So uh yeah, it, it must must be kind of hard for somebody like you, you know, trained in the sciences uh to, you know, to to watch <laughs> this field uh kind of just melt around you and and nobody in the university seems to be saying much about it. Like, you know, with 9/11, you were one of the very few people that stepped forward in Wisconsin uh when I was under the gun on that issue. And and with COVID, it seems like uh, everybody's afraid to to step out of line and get shot down. It's it's a you know, what, what do you know colleagues here in Wisconsin science people who've been willing to to buck the trend on COVID and masking? Um, I left my campus after 31 years in 1997. Um, I maintain an email address there, and I get news items from what's going on on my campus. And all I can say is I love that campus and I'm heartsick at what's going on. Um, it's, it's masking and, and it's, it's just absolutely following the official narrative. I, I, I don't know what to make of students now. I know that since I left all those years ago, um, that handheld devices seem to have been able take people's attention and I I see I have grandchildren oh my gosh they're out of college already um, and and I, I think there's there they are so attached to social media and the whole technological world it, it, I'm just wondering if there is a different kind of personality that's been created because these students seem to have None of the revolutionary and uh, rebellious attitude that I remember from the 60s, 70s, and even in, into the 80s to a degree. And mm-hmm. and so I, I just, I don't know what to say. I get these news clips from my campus, and um, I guess to say, I'm, I'd have to say I'm sort of sad as, as to where it's gone. I don't know of anybody. Um, I, I, I have... I would like to know why the disciplines of sociology and psychology have been so silent on the mask issue. I mean, I could. I mean, there's plenty of information out there about the fact, if you really go searching, that no, they don't work. There are meta-analyses that that go back and cover the literature of the past and say no. They don't. And there is now the literature on the harmful effects, health-wise, because people are breathing and rebreathing, and there's a warm, moist situation that favors the buildup of bacteria and the breathing of that and all of that. But I am, because of what I can actually see in young people, I am wondering about what the long-term psychological effects are of being raised in an environment where masking is becoming normalized and what it's doing to really young children. I have a great granddaughter and I, um, it lives on the East Coast. It's my granddaughter's daughter who's two years old now. And 
Um, they are very concerned, like a lot of people in the families of people who uh, think like I do. That, and she thinks that I'm way off base. And she sent me a photograph of her two-year-old daughter outdoors with a mask. And that was a, a real um, message to me that um, whatever the mass psychology is that's been perpetrated on, on the people, it, it sunk in with her. And, um, and others within in my family, and, um, and I know that this is true of friends um, who have extended families, their brothers, sisters, and uh, those, their families, who uh, there's been a terrific division psychologically down to the family level of people. And, it's, and um, I'm sort of feeling that this is not accidental. I think that there is a project going on that, is, that involves this division. And um, the mask is, has always been a big thing for me because it is, number one, so visible. It is absolutely visible. And I think that the powers that be, if, if they can see people accepting the mask, that's an opening to the avenue to vaccination. And don't even get me started on vaccination because this, uh, this, mRNA um, technology does not conform to the, to the traditional, by a long shot, the traditional definition of a vaccine. Of a vaccine, this is different. The only similarity is that it comes through a needle, and um, it's hard to convince people. Well, well, wait a minute. Uh, the, these mRNA experimental injections do basically the same thing that vaccinations do, which is or they supposedly do this. They're supposed to stimulate the immune system in such a way that it reduces the chances of catching and transmitting a disease. So in that sense, you can call them uh, vaccines. But you're right. They're obviously a totally different kind of technology. And more importantly, it looks to me like the evidence shows that their downside greatly outweighs whatever benefits they have, uh, especially for people in the, the lower age categories. Um, but yeah, maybe you could talk a little more about that. Well, I, I, um, let me just back up here for a minute. A vaccine up until very recently has been defined basically as a pathogenic organism that is killed or attenuated. That was the definition. Attenuation doesn't kill it completely, but it makes it ineffective in causing disease. What it is, is a foreign protein. It's a protein that's foreign to your body. So when this, these killed or attenuated uh, viruses or bacteria are injected into you, the body recognizes them as foreign protein, and then as a response, your immune system creates antibodies against those foreign uh, proteins. mRNA technology is injection of um, an RNA, and, and 
I, I don't, if, do you know what RNA, ribonucleic acid is? What it is, is a code. It is a code for creating protein. Now, the code that is in this mRNA tag technology is coded to enter your cell and, and go to the ribosomes where uh, protein is, is created. And the, the RNA is coded for a certain kind of protein. And that protein is the spike protein of the, uh, presumably, uh, that's what we're told, of the COVID-19 um, uh, causative agent. And so what happens is that your body now starts to produce this spike protein. And the spike protein there circulates in your body. And this is, this is what we're told. And your body will then build up antibodies against that spike protein. So it's, it's, it's different in that respect. What you're doing, uh, what we're told is that the antibody is being built up against the spike protein, not against the causative agent itself, a, a, a virus. It's just a part of this virus. And, um, I, I, I am not, I've been too far away from immunology for me. It's, the years are too many for me to start talking about uh, the, the uh, reactions um, uh, against the spike protein. But there is an awful lot of clotting that's going on, um, and um, I'll just let it go at that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, people who listen to the show regularly have heard all kinds of folks recently, doctors Peter McCullough and Jessica Rose, um, as well as uh, Merrill Nass and Steve Kirsch and on and on and on. We've had a whole lot of the folks out there uh, who've been leading the charge in questioning the uh, vaccines and looking at some of the data showing that people have apparently been killed in fairly large numbers, uh, so have had pretty strong arguments for estimates that six figures worth of Americans have been killed by these vaccines and it seems to be disproportionately affecting the young and working age people, uh, which is really kind of sad. COVID itself seems to disproportionately affect the old and infirm. So I'm not sure how much of an improvement that is if you maybe reduce the rate of COVID uh, deaths a little bit. But meanwhile, you're, you're creating deaths in people who are losing a lot more years of life expectancy. So yeah, I, I agree with you there. Well, you know, uh, we Bill, we're going to have. Captain, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm 84. I got COVID last summer in August, and uh, I I knew what was coming, so I had all the vitamin D, the vitamin C, the zinc, and all of that, and I was able to get ivermectin. And fine, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I caught I it know, last summer too, and uh, got through it okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I know it was COVID or what they call COVID uh, because I lost my sense of smell. And, uh, it's, and that was August. And, mm -hmm. uh, and it hasn't come back yet. So, wow. but, but, but that's, that's a, a different issue. A yeah. Different yeah. Issue. So, so, so the, no, yeah, the, it, the lethality of, yeah, of this of this virus is is fair, fairly low, even for the older people. And the polls show that 
Americans have massively overestimated its lethality. When, when they asked people to guess, you know, they were guessing things like 5, 10, 20, 30, 50% mortality rate, when the reality is probably more like, you know, 0.5%. So, hey, uh, you know, solution to these problems probably is in the political arena. And, uh, we now, are making contact with uh, another guest from Wisconsin, Dr. David King. He's a candidate for lieutenant governor, and he's been attracting support from the COVID freedom or health freedom movement. And I wonder what what he thinks about Dr. Westergaard telling us that masks uh, totally shut down COVID. Uh, So, hey, I think we have on the line now, uh, Dr. David King, are you there? Yes, sir, I'm here. Hey, welcome. So good to have you. I've just been speaking with uh, Professor William Willers. He's a retired University of Wisconsin Oshkosh biology professor who's been waging a kind of a lonely struggle to knock some sense into people around the fact that masking just doesn't work for respiratory viruses uh, and uh, that the vaccines are vastly less uh, safe and effective than has been claimed. And I'm just wondering about your thoughts on those issues. Well, First, let me let me deal with the uh, the mask mandate, and I my problem with that is we all, if we slow down and not be afraid and just think, we'll realize the mask doesn't work, and the only thing the mask doing is harming you as an individual because you're not getting no fresh air in. So you know, and and now you hear them say. That the cloth mask, they, now they're saying the cloth mask don't work. You need the N95. And I'm wondering why they said we need an N95. Is it because they done made too many and they need to sell they, they stock? So they leaked out that the cloth don't work by the N95? Yeah, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? They keep changing their stories. You know, first it was everybody knew that masks don't work. Not, no masks work against respiratory viruses. And then suddenly, in, as COVID came along, Fauci first restated that. And then somehow the established wisdom turned on its head, even though there was no more science to support it. And uh, everybody said the cloth masks are great. Isn't this wonderful? The people are tying bandanas around their faces. And, and now suddenly... They're admitting that the cloth masks don't work, but maybe the N95s do. Well, the N95s theoretically would no. have a better chance of doing something, wouldn't they? N95s are like cloth masks insofar as stopping the passage of, I mean, that the data show that they also will not uh, impact the uh, the rate of spread of the virus. N95s were were designed for people in hospital situations for temporary use only when they're used when they're uh, close to people who could be coughing and sneezing and and uh, so particulate globular material is is being it has to it has to be um, very close fitting and it is not to be used for extended periods. And uh, and so this business about well cloth masks yeah we we'll, we yield they don't work but go get N95s it's baloney. Okay, well so the mandates kept people masked up and conforming and uh, created so many arguments and fights on planes and in restaurants and bars and things like that. 
and now we're kind of reaching the point where the establishment is starting to admit that the whole thing is over. <laughs> now we're all supposed to be uh, crazy and hysterical about Russia instead of about COVID. Uh, but uh, there, there still are some some uh, mask mandates in individual businesses. What, what's the situation right now in in uh, Wisconsin? I wonder. And I think the the state mask mandate has expired. So, uh, Dr. King, do you do you know what the uh, current situation is? Uh, are there still mandates well, in counties or what? Uh, right now is 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 by choice now. Even at the airport is by choice. Uh, when you ride in the lift now, it's optional. It's choice. Uh, I, and, and, and I think that the, the thing about it is, I think they're trying to wing everybody now off the masses because they realize how much damage and fear that they put on people that people will even wear a mask in their own house around their own family, you know, because of the fear. And if they would just slow down and just, do some homework, you'll be like, oh, wait a minute. This is not as bad as they said it was. Yes, uh, people are getting sick, but wait a minute. And and, and they're saying, oh, they're getting sick, and they're like, okay, so let's look for a second. And when you look at it, and 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 we done found uh, numerous of family members that uh, their family went to the doctor for COVID, and then they had this COVID protocol where they was giving them this one medication and it was affecting their kidneys. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. That so, remdesivir was, was killing people. Remdesivir. Yes. Yeah. So, so, you know, I think with, with the height of it, because, you know, we, we all deal with fear differently. Some of us, we deal with fear as, okay, let's see where this comes from and how we deal with it. And then others, deal with fear like a deer in the headlights. They just freeze and whatever somebody say, that's it. Yeah. And some people just seem to obey, you know, whatever they're being told. There's, there's a whole theory of uh, fear-based brainwashing uh, or trauma-based mind control, they call it, where they traumatize people. And then we're in that, that state of fear with a deer in the headlights. Look, the, the controller comes along and tells them what to think. And, you know, we saw that after 9-11, we saw it with COVID, and I think to some extent we're seeing it with the Ukraine thing today as you know, the nuclear war fears are being revived. You know, I'm old enough to remember just when that duck and cover stuff was ending in the early 60s. Uh, Bill, do you, do you remember the duck and cover drills where they had kids diving under the desks yes. to simulate nuclear death? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, when I was in my mid-teens, um, I was raised in the Army. And... Uh, my father was stationed in Washington, D.C., so we lived in Arlington. And, yes, duck and cover, I remember very well. Yeah, I wonder if they're going to bring those back uh, anytime soon. Well, uh, Dr. King, you're you're running for lieutenant governor, and it sounds like you know some of the people here who w- would be supporting Ron Johnson, who's been a leading voice of the health freedom movement, uh, might be interested in, in supporting you. So is, is this like your leading issue or maybe you tell us a little bit more about why you're running and, you know, what, what positions on the issues you have? Dr. King? I wonder if we, did we lose Dr. David King? I heard a noise that sounded yeah. like a sign off. Yeah. Let me ask you, Kevin. What's, yeah. what's, do you live in a smaller town than I do? 
Um, as a matter of fact, I live in the outskirts of a town of less than 10,000. Uh, but you're in Lone Rock or? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm actually out, I'm outside of Lone Rock, uh, somewhere sort of over towards Spring Green out in the country. So yeah, the, the nearest village. I just wonder would... what, what your medical situation is and what, what, whatever the medical people around there, uh, what their position is. You know, it's hard to tell because if they think like we do, they're afraid to say so openly. So who knows? But, you know, when you go down to the clinic, they make you mask up. And uh, it's, you know, I, I've uh, been pretty successful at going places without a mask, even throughout the mandate, you know, like Walmart and things like that. Oh, I don't go to Walmart very often. I didn't really go a lot of places very often because it was just too depressing to go out and see all those masked faces and then have them yeah. harass you when you don't put the mask on. So I uh, got a lot of gardening done, got a lot of kayaking done, got a lot of bicycling done, got a lot of truth jihadi work done. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, you if know, you go to... It's, the, it's, yeah. it's interesting. You to, when, you, when you look around, they keep changing. They keep changing. And you think it's over, and then all of a sudden, this other facet of society, they're masking up. And this school district requires masks, and this other one doesn't. And now they say, okay, fine, no, we, we know the cloth masks don't work, but go get N95. And, and this information for two years, two years more, shifting constant, um, conflicting uh, information, and uh, it, it sort of keeps people off balance. The whole society's off balance. There's nothing that's stable. Yeah, that's true. And you, yeah, go ahead, Dan. Yeah, and you know, I, I got around it too because what what I did uh, when they would ask me, I remember I was at my son's basketball game, and I told them my son would not wear a mask, and. And the, the guy said, okay, no problem, but we need you to wear a mask. And I said, I can't wear a mask. And the guy said, why you can't, why you, why you cannot wear a mask? And I said, medical reasons. So he walks away and then he comes back to me and he says, okay, I don't mean to be in your business, but everybody got masks on and you don't have a one. Do you mind telling me your medical reason? I said, Hilbert Law. And he walked away and never came back. And a lady asked me, she said, uh, she said, um, I heard what you said to him. Do you mind? I'm just nosy, but do you mind if you could tell me your medical reason? I said, yeah, sick of math. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, our, our uh, producer, uh, Mr. Rowe here is an expert kind of in, in this. Uh, he did a whole article on how you can ride Amtrak without masks. And basically that's true. If you, if you stick to your guns, you say, I can't wear a mask and they try to, you know, inquire into the reasons. You can always say, you know, the Americans with Disabilities Act does say that you're not allowed to ask that. Uh, so, you know, you, you don't have to tell them why you can't wear a mask. And, yeah, I, I think I, I can say I'm allergic to masks, too. And I've gotten away with that a few <laughs> times myself. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's it's tough, though, in, in the medical places. They really, uh, I guess, brainwash the people there. Uh, and anybody who doesn't agree is afraid to speak up. And that's kind of the most discouraging thing. But there still is this vibrant health freedom movement. And I'm wondering, uh, David, have you kind of in interfaced with that? Like I've seen a couple of pictures at your website 
uh, at what looks like maybe a, a rally with some people with, with signs that look like they're part of the health freedom movement. So have you been a part of that? Yes, I've been a part of a lot of the um, medical freedom rallies. And it was uh, it was about um, uh, the no mandates on people that worked in the hospitals, that they should have a choice. I mean, because you got to remember, all 2020, they was the heroes. But then the moment the, uh, the, the, the vaccine came out, they wanted to force them to take the shot. And if they didn't, they lost their job. So here you go from being a hero to a zero. So I didn't think that was fair. So I joined in the fight, uh, for medical freedom. I joined in the fight to take the mask off our children's. Um, um, I've been, I'm also in the fight for CRT. Um, so I've been in a lot of the, the fights and the rallies, uh, because I believe that we're still in the most freest country in the world that we should have the, the freedom to make a decision for ourselves. And if we, and if they would stop playing with us and give everybody all the information, then each family has the right to make a decision for themselves and not government or anybody else bullying them to throw a mask on or whatever if you give both sides and and you know you got you got two sides of this thing give both sides out and let everybody make their own decision you're here well do you think that social media is going to open up now a little bit with uh with elon musk uh, buying out twitter and saying that he wants to restore free speech there. You know, we've just been through this period when the Internet has gone from being a, a relatively uh, free kind of playground for ideas where anybody could say anything, and then the past five years or so, it just got locked down completely. And then COVID pretty much finished it off. And, you know, I've, I've, I, I can't post YouTubes anymore, most of what I do, like this show right now. I try to put this on YouTube, boom, that's it. You know, strike uh, pretty soon. My 15 years of work are gone. Uh, so the, the Internet has just become a, a totally locked down, and that's something that needs well, to change. Yeah, Kevin, have you tried uh, BitChute? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm doing False Flag Weekly News now on Rumble instead of YouTube because I kept getting up to two strikes and being right on the edge of losing, you know, 15 years of, you know, 10,000 hours of work. Uh, so I just moved to Rumble and anything that has remotely to do with anything where they're, they're going to start, you know, har- harassing me or deplatforming me, I just put that over on Rumble, which I, I highly recommend. Uh, and, and it's, it's weird though how, how this situation now is, is, it's created a kind of a polarization where people who think one way go to rumble, you know, people who think the other way go to the you know, YouTube and, and the social media, Facebook, whatever. Uh, that doesn't seem like it's healthy for society. And I'm do- wondering, Dr. King, you're in politics. Do you have any ideas about how we could fix this situation where the censorship is driving polarization? Well, I think that, I mean, I, for me, you know, I am, um, I'm a, I'm a two time felon on YouTube. I'm a, about four five time fell in on Facebook. So you know, and and that's just because I, I tell the truth. And so, you know, until we we get some kind of control in there, uh or if the federal government make make a well, that's gonna be hard right now, but if they would make uh laws and legislation that will allow our free speech to be on anything, but you know 
And if we, if you and I get a, go away from the YouTubes and go away from Facebook, then we're taking the truth with us. So we have to stay on these. You know, I know we got to change the words sometimes, like I did my show last night, and we got to talk about the vaccine. I was like, oh, we, we can't use that word. Let's use the word cookie. So we <laughs> changed the word uh, so that way we didn't get punished for telling the truth. So we 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 just got to look at different ways. It's just like with Jesus with the Bible. The disciples kept asking him, why are you using parables? So we have to use parables so we don't get censored. Here, here. Well, you're a you're a Christian. I'm I'm Muslim actually. We're hitting the end of Ramadan here, and one thing we probably would agree on is that religion has a really important place in in society, in families, and there seems to be a, a war on traditional religious values going on in a lot of different ways. Uh, and then there's some pushback against that, of course. We've seen that with you know, the people who don't think that the preschoolers should be made to to worship uh, sexual deviants and things like that. And uh, others say, yeah, they, they should have to wait until, like, I guess in, in Florida, you have to be in third grade now to, to get that kind of programming. Uh, but there does seem to be uh, a, a real clash, speaking of polarization, between those of us who are still uh, part of the traditional religions and the kind of the same folks who are censoring everybody on, on social media and pushing the vaccines and the face masks, who is almost like that's a substitute religion, you know, and, and they, they can't stand traditional religion. So, you know, it's you're a, you're a Christian running for office. Uh, are, are you uh, kind of you know work, working with uh, local religious communities? Yes. And see, my my uh, my doctrine is in theology. And so. I'm also a pastor for over 24 years, and and you're absolutely right. The problem the problem is, it doesn't matter what religion it really is. It's more of the uh, the principles of God, the or the principles of Allah, where that's what they're trying to destroy. Those principles: love your family, right? Uh, be a good citizen. Uh, uh, love your neighbor. Um, don't bear false witness. So all of the, all the principles that we live by, that we stand is, is what they're attacking. They're attacking our principles. They're attacking our moral compass. They're attacking, um, our, what we consider a traditional family. So those are the, those are the issues that, that they're attacking. And when you look at it for what it really is, they're also trying to destroy the moral compass. So, you know, so it doesn't matter. And one thing that I loved about the founding fathers here, they allowed this country to be free, that you could be, that you have free of religion, not from religion, but of religion, that you have have the right to worship whatever you want to worship. But what that does is each worship brings a different type of, of principles. But when you look at them all, they all are in line, even though we go down a different street. Those principles is what's important. And so so when you bring principles back in politics, and and with me, I'm bringing God back in government, we bring the principles of God, and then we be that light to show people how to love one another, how to use godly wisdom to solve problems that that, that is out here, because man wisdom got us in this mess. So we need the wisdom of God to get us out of it. Amen, brother. Well, uh, Bill, 
what do you think about the, the the idea that the COVID hysteria with the kind of worshiping of masks and, and the lockdowns and the whole nine yards of vaccines uh, is kind of a substitute religion, that the fanaticism and the fundamentalist kind of approach to, to all of that is it, it almost looks like kind of the negative side of religion moved over into COVID worship. I, I have been involved in a 30-year conversation about science as a religion. Science is a religion. And I think that if you start um, looking at, well, what exactly is religion, it's what basically you consider to be of, of utmost importance in reality. You could go in that direction. And I think in traditional religions, at least the Judeo-Christian lineage, that that would be God. And um, that has been, it, it has been changed. It is science now. And it is, well, follow the science. The whole question now, uh, these uh, spokespeople that you see on television who represent science, I forget his name. You know who he is. He's a great big guy who... Um, is head of the Hayden Planetarium in New York. And you see him all all the time on the talk shows. And he's saying the big question now is society going to follow the science. And when you look at the science, it is the kind of science that comes right out of the pharmaceutical industry. It is absolutely a narrow, narrow path. And, um, the fact of the matter is there are many, many scientists who are very much in disagreement with this whole uh, um, mRNA technology. And I think as soon as the pandemic showed itself and there was a, an ironclad rule, there is only one narrative. And you follow that narrative and any deviant. It could be organizations of thousands of medical scientists, doctors, and so forth. If it deviates from that narrow uh, narrative, that narrative, it is automatically called misinformation. And nobody, these, they, they say, well, that's misinformation. They, you hear it on CNN, MSNBC, PBS, even NewsHour, and all of that. They never define specifically what was stated, what was said that was misinformation. If it doesn't hew, it, it, it's called misinformation. And that should have been a warning sign to everybody in the sciences, because science requires open discussion of everything. And uh, so the fact that there is only one right answer, and you're wrong if you don't agree with that one answer, is should have been uh, a warning sign from day one. Yeah, you're basically deemed a heretic and burned at the digital stake. Uh, it's it's crazy Absolutely. how that's all happened. Uh, well, look so they, look at the, the Merrill Mass. Merrill Mass was a notable person in many respects as as a, a, a practicing physician and also as a researcher. And this state medical board pilloried her. And, 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 I mean, the people on that medical board were hardly, uh, had to take to shine her shoes. And so these medical boards are keeping dissident, uh, medical voices at bay. 
I mean, even people who early on were using hydroxychloroquine and uh, uh, ivermectin as uh, as uh, treatments um, were threatened with uh, loss of, of their position, loss of the right to uh, practice medicine. And that, that was absolutely unprecedented, something like that. The use of uh, off-label medicines like that is perfectly appropriate. And ivermectin is, is, is safe as aspirin. It's, it's on the uh, World Health Organization list of essential medicines. And that means it should be easily available everywhere. Um, and after this past, the summer of uh, this past uh, summer, ivermectin became unavailable. None of the articles uh, were. Is everybody okay there? There's an awful lot of rest. Yeah, yeah. There's been a lot, a lot, a lot of noise going on. Somebody, uh, David, are you bumping your phone? Or... No, I don't know what that is. Yeah, I don't know either. I wonder, I wonder if somebody's messing with us. <laughs> I'm alone in my bedroom. And yeah. Not coming for... That's that's strange. Okay. Well, I'm just sitting in. I'm just sitting in my garage. So. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sitting in front of my laptop uh, with no background noise. So, yeah, it's like it's as if somebody were were injecting some some background noise here. Well, we we pretty much gotten to the end of the hour anyway, and uh, it's been a wonderful discussion uh, with you know both si- science, uh, spirituality, religion, politics, everything that your mother told you to never talk about at the dinner table. We talk about here on Truth Jihad Radio. Uh, so before we go, uh, Doctor. David King, uh, send us to your website. I bet some people might want to help out. Okay, the website is king4forwi.com. King4forwi.com. Phone number is 414-676-0842. 414-676-0842. Okay, sounds good. Well, I probably will be voting for you for lieutenant governor. And I'll probably even be voting for, for Ron Johnson at some point, which uh, I never thought I would do. You know, when he first uh, I know, ran. Isn't it strange? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill, you and I, we were we were all sort of more sort of leaning towards the left and thinking that the Republicans were even worse than the Democrats. But now it's looking the other way around. <laughs> what, what happened? That's something I, I, I don't know. Um, I've been reading some uh, things recently about. You've probably heard the term. Mass formation. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have Matthias Desmond on the show, uh, hopefully, to talk about that. Oh, oh, wonderful. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's uh, apparently there has been what amounts to a mass hypnosis. Mm-hmm. And, and it seems I it mean, seems to flip flip the Democrats. Yeah. It's it, it's it's hitting it's, the Democrats worse than the Republicans. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And and it's it's. It's amazing to sit down with people um, you've known all your life, family members, and you give them some, some facts. I mean, absolutely, it is a fact, and you tell them that, and it's uncomfortable. And you see, you, you look at their eyes, and you see their mind snap shut. You okay, well, we'll no, nobody's... 
our, our audience here at Tripsy Head Radio is is not snapping shut uh, in in their minds. They're definitely an open-minded, lively bunch, and that's why we bring on great guests like we had tonight. Well, thank you so much, William Willers and Dr. David King. It was a great conversation. Look forward to more down the line. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. Okay. Thank, thank you. God you bless. Very much, Kevin. Okay. Take care, Bill. Yep. Bye bye. Okay, back in the next hour with more talk about science with Josh Middledorf, one of my favorite scientists. We talk about all kinds of wild and crazy cosmic stuff. That's the stuff you hear about here on Truth Head Radio. Truth Head Radio. We'll be right back.